1: This episode of Figuring Out 30 is dedicated to my friends Daz and Snowy and their adored Trace and Sal's.
2: It's always going to be there and that doesn't need to sound scary, it's just you can live your life and you can grow your life around your grief and have it as part of you because they are part of you, right? Like we always want to remember the people that we've lost.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to Figuring Out 30. Bridget Hustwight here, as always. I hope you're doing well. Um, hey, not to sound grim, but I've been thinking about death a lot. I guess more so the aftermath and the grieving of losing somebody you love. And you would have just heard at the very start of the podcast, my dedication um, of this episode to my friends Daz and Snowy, who, yeah, are both why I wanted to do an episode on grief. In March 2020, right before lockdowns, Snowy sister, Sells, was murdered in Hawthorne five days after turning 30. And Daz, who I used to work with, he lost his wife, Trace, last year to illness. I won't elaborate on that because, you know, she was so much more than illness. Um, but yeah, both Daz and Snowy have both been really honest in their grieving, which I Wish we saw more of. I just remember toward the end of 2020, um Snowy did a bunch of Instagram stories saying, you know, what's helping him and what's what's not and how people can talk to him. And I found it a really useful um and eye-opening post to read, series of posts to read, because I struggled, like I honestly struggled with how I was yeah, going to um, you know, talk to him and whether or not I say Sal's name or the word murder, you know, Uh, and, and then Daz, you know, he's just been really honest in his Facebook posts about Trace sharing memories and saying when it just feels too much. And, you know, I'm really glad he's made that an outlet of sorts for him. And it also really helps show people what it's like because we don't really talk about it and especially men but these two guys have really prompted me to make more of an effort in understanding grief and being more mindful in how I approach it because I know it's definitely something that I could be better at Um, it's something that we can all be better at and that's not a bad thing you know we're all here to grow and learn and we don't do those things like we can't grow unless we acknowledge it and talk about it, and I've experienced grief in terms of death. You know, I've I've got no grandparents, but it's been over a decade since I've had like a close family passing. Um, but I dread the next one, I suppose. But thankfully, there are people out there who are helping open the conversation, and you're going to hear from one of them in today's episode. So there's a podcast called Good Morning, and It's by two lovely ladies, Imogen Khan and Sally Douglas, who both lost their mothers in their 30s. Sally's mum died of a sudden seizure and Imogen's mum took her own life. And Imogen and Sally met at a support group and they've formed this amazing friendship where they've been able to support each other, learn about each other's grieving styles, and then have gone on to create a really beautiful community where they help people make sense of life after loss. Their podcast is... amazing project and they've just released a book which is the same title good morning and it made my heart really heavy reading it and it was I'm not confronting but just yeah I mean I was just so heartbroken to hear Imogen's and Sally's stories but the book taught me so much about grief and I really wanted to get the girls on my podcast so in this conversation with Sally You're going to hear more of her story, how she has found people responding to grief, what she's gained from grief, and so much more. So I hope you get something out of this one. It's a very candid conversation for Figuring Out 30 with Sally Douglas from Good Morning. Congratulations on the release of Good Morning, the book format. Um,
2: Let's talk about the release day
1: first. How was it for you both?
2: Thank you so much, Bridget. Um, It was really... It was really bittersweet in honesty. It was amazing, but also because the book wouldn't be, if our mums hadn't died it did feel very bittersweet and I'm not gonna lie like I spent the evening of our book launch crying into a pot of magnum crack
1: which, which wasn't how I
2: expected to spend one of the greatest and most exciting milestones of my life but we're all about the honesty and it was yeah it was amazing but also very emotional it is and
1: especially when you talk about a body of work like a book you know like we we all podcast and I think because that's a constant thing and it's a weekly and it's instant but when there's so much behind the scenes work that you put into a book and it's kind of the same as to when artists and musicians release singles and albums and eps and then it's let out into the world it's so hard like I could not describe that feeling or really empathize with it you know I used to premiere songs on the radio and be like oh it's such a huge deal but then when I released my book I was like holy shit I know how it feels it's just it's just a crazy experience putting out a book isn't it?
2: It is and I think when you Before you write a book, for me anyway, I, I read a lot of books and I'd pick a book up and read it and not really think about it. But now, having written a book and I pick up a book and I just know how much has gone into it for the author and I have such like a level of huge respect for every book that I read because it is such a process. And, you know, it's an emotional process. It's an emotional journey, isn't mm-hmm. it? I don't know if you found that with writing your book, but it's, yeah, there's highs and lows. And it's it, it really was, for Im and I, we found it was... It was a, yeah, just a huge, huge, huge journey.
1: Yeah, it's a massive process. Well, let's kind of, I guess, wind back and, and set the scene as to how this book did come about because yeah, it was the passing of both of your mothers, Vanessa and Rose. Um, so, so you received a call, this is pre-COVID, 2019, that your mum had passed away from a sudden seizure. You can tell by the accent that you're from the UK um, and then jumping on a flight back home can you kind of describe, because when I was reading that, I was like, I cannot imagine what that flight was like. How was that journey for you? And because, you know, you're alone on a plane. I can't imagine all the thoughts that are running through your head and people around you who just have no idea. Like what what was going on for that journey back to the UK?
2: I mean, it was hell. It's a difficult flight to take when you're not flying into you know a situation like the death of your mum. It was really really hard and I think as well I just wasn't prepared to hadn't mentally prepared to be stepping back into the UK to mm-hmm. be dealing with it all so I was really I was really nervous but to be honest I was so emotionally exhausted and shocked that it did go quite quickly because it it just everything felt like a blur so in that sense I guess it was easy because I just felt so kind of emotionally out of it but yeah as an expat when you move to the other side of the world you know what's one of the payoffs it's the fact that you're not nearby if something happens and for me my worst nightmare was something would happen to someone close to me and I wouldn't be there straight away so it really was quite a daunting prospect like having to get back there and there was a real sense of like this urgency you know you just want to be there mm-hmm. and you've got to go through the whole process of getting on a flight and it was really hard like it was just I wouldn't wish it on anyone it was it was uh definitely definitely the worst flight that I've ever taken I would I would say
1: yeah so when was the last time that you
2: even got to speak to your mum before that so my mum was supposed to call me on the, her morning and the morning that she died. So it would have been my evening. We were supposed to have a call and I couldn't get through to her. So I thought maybe she slept in, but it would have been around the time that she actually passed away. So I woke up at 6am to the text to say that she died. So I just went to bed and thought, well, she's, you know, forgotten or, you know, I'll speak to her tomorrow. But prior to that, the last text I ever got from her was basically, long story short, I used to be a hairdresser in a former life. And I, my career to date has been in PR for 11 years. So I transitioned from hairdressing into PR. And now I do Good Morning. Um, And my mum knew that I wasn't fulfilled in my career. And I was looking for something more. And we talk about it quite a lot. So she sent me an article in The Guardian um, about a hairdresser who cuts hair for people in need for free. And she said, the, the message said along the lines of, I wanted to share this because I can see you with your good heart doing something similar to this hairdresser in this article. And with your kind and caring heart, my final wish, but my sort of, my fantasy for you, my wish for you is that you would do something that helps others. And that's the last thing that I ever heard from her. And I feel like what we're doing with Good Morning is fulfilling that wish. So, yeah, my last communication with her is a really beautiful message that it's so strange because it's not the kind of message that you would send every day. So, yeah, it's not, obviously she didn't know she was going to pass away, but there was a, a deepness to it. And the fact, I feel lucky that I have that too go back to from her and I feel lucky that I can say well I am I am fulfilling your wish with this book and the work we do through Good Morning um, and prior to that I hadn't seen her for about six months she came to Australia um, six months before she died but that was the last thing I heard so yeah it's a special message.
1: So special like that's huge and so meaningful and like you mentioned not everyone not everyone gets that. I mean, the biggest emotion that kind of comes up for me in both of your instances and you cover it so well in the book is is guilt and the way in which we tend to put so much on ourselves as well in these situations. But going back to this support group that you guys were part of, for people listening and just, you know, don't know how it works, how, how does it work? How do you come across these groups and what are they like? What do you, you know, obviously you're talking about grief, but What's, you you know, you, you kind of imagine a circle and everyone's sitting in a circle in their chairs in like a lonely classroom <laughs> or something. Like what's, how do you find them and what, what are they like?
2: So we we actually have a Facebook support group um, for any type of loss, any age, um, any gender. Um, and we also, at like our community on Instagram is kind of a, a, a support group space. Um, but our experience of attending a support group it was organized by one of the members. So it was a bit of a get together, like who wants to meet 10 people um, at a pub on this day in Sydney. It was, it was nice. It was nice to connect with other people. It was really casual. Um, They're all different. And we haven't attended lots of different support groups. So some of them may be more formal. But this one, because it was organized by like a member of the group it was really casual it was like nerve-wracking going in into it because I think when you're grieving as well you don't feel like yourself at all especially in the early days you know you feel really emotional and exhausted and there's all things that come with grief so you don't feel like your best self necessarily
1: And all the people around you aren't seeing your
2: normal self too, like this is all that they know you are. Exactly. Yeah. So it does take courage. But what what can be really beautiful is you can find friendships, if you put yourself out there like him and I did. Um, And I think because grief is such a deep and emotional experience. I found you do connect with people quite quickly because you are both On a similar level, and you're at that, you know, you are sharing your vulnerability and your stories. So I think that these support groups tend to be a really welcoming and safe space. So if any of your listeners are looking to to join a support group, or if there's a local grief support group in their area, I think don't be afraid to give it a go because it is a it's a a trusting space to like. to to show up and share your vulnerabilities.
1: Yeah, and it's so amazing, just the friendship that you guys have been able to form as a result and the community that you've now been able to foster. And it's interesting hearing, you know, reading the book, like both of your styles of grief really differed, I guess. So how would you describe the way in which you grieved?
2: It was part circumstantial, I think, and part my coping style, but so I had to go back and sort my mum's funeral out, arrange it, sort her estate out, you know, cancel bank accounts, sort her, you know, house out, clear her house out. And because I live over here, I only had about a month to get it done. Mm. And handily, because she passed away about a month before Christmas, I always had the, I had the deadline of like everywhere was closing for Christmas too, like solicitors and all those things. So I had I had to get things done really quickly. And I was in such shock. For a long time, that I was almost running on adrenaline and autopilot, which helped me get these things done. And also, I am quite practical. So I think I needed to do the things to distract myself. And also, I like doing things. So I think for me, I was almost, my grief style has been very practical. Like, I was emotional, of course, and, like, there would be days where I would feel just completely overcome with, like, all of the emotions, but I could still show up and get things done. I went back to work a couple of months after mum died, and I was, you know, performing well at work, which surprised me, and, like, I judged myself, like, why am I able to, like, go to client meetings and, like, hold my own and manage a team and be fine and show up and smile and, and and actually deliver good work but I miss my mum and weekends I'd be on the sofa just exhausted and crying but uh, but I could function day to day and I think sometimes people that surprises people as well because they think didn't your mum just die like you seem fine and that's really important to talk about that we all grieve differently and there's really no right or wrong way but i did judge myself hard i thought i was an emotional robot like why can i push my emotions aside and and get on with things and you know i think about the early days after my mum passed away and i was back in the uk i was with some of my like best friends who so i i don't have the luxury of seeing very often and there were moments like oh this is i'm talking like a couple of days before her funeral where i was having a really good time and i was feeling happiness and joy because i was ensconced in this love from my friends and i was just like so happy to be with them but then i felt guilt
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Because I'm like, well, I'm about to bury my mom, like, and I'm laughing and, you know enjoying my evening and there's so many layers to it and I think it's just you've got to let yourself off the hook because you grief and joy can coexist even in the very early days and I think we feel guilt for so many things you know we feel guilt for how we're grieving we feel guilt for some of the emotions that we're experiencing you know we can feel guilt when it comes to our relationships all sorts of things Um, but my yeah I would say my experience in the early days was I guess clouded in adrenaline and getting stuff done and finding sort of coping mechanisms in the doing but my grief and like the the kind of intense the intensity of it probably hit me a couple of months afterwards when the dust had settled and I didn't have to keep running on this at this speed to get everything done um so I would say it was a little bit I wouldn't say delayed But it was an interesting experience because I didn't have the option to really sit in it at first.
1: Mm. And one of the biggest things um, that I guess I took away from the book and what we really need to talk about is the way in which people respond to grief and how people deal with it, how they perceive it. What surprised you about how people were kind of, you know, dealing with you guys? Like were people awkward and avoidant? Like what were the, some of the things that you were experiencing from friends and colleagues and, and all of that?
2: We we had really good support from friends, family, colleagues. But I think the one thing that we really found was even with the best intentions, people just don't know what to say. Mm. And especially when you're younger and, you know, you're in your 30s, and your peers haven't experienced a loss or grief. It's one of those things. It's very hard to fully understand and get until you've been through it, and it's very hard to know what to say. And because we don't talk about grief and death um, in society, we're not educated or, you know, schooled on on the right things to say or how to support. There's a there's an awkwardness to it. So that's what we found. And some people just don't say anything at all which is really difficult.
1: And it can also become a thing where you guys end up working fucking overtime to make them comfortable for your, you know what I mean?
2: Like, yeah. and I think if anyone listening is supporting somebody in grief, like just know that you don't have to say anything profound. Like you really don't have to fix anything or come up with any like poetic flowery statement. You've just got to say, I'm really sorry this is really hard for you and I'm here, Um, you know, just be real, like real honest language is this is shit. Yeah. Just, just, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. Like just really just, just, it can be that simple. I
1: think one of the things, and I know I've been personally guilty of it is um, and it can be dependent on the circumstance, especially when we're talking uh, in the context of death and someone passing, not using their names. Why, why do you think people do that? Why do we stop using the name of, the, of that person who may have
2: passed? Like, what do you think it is? I think people think as well by saying their name that it's going to be really upsetting. But often the one name that we want to hear the most is their name. So um, that's another reason I think people can just shy away from it. It's interesting because you guys
1: touch a lot on the comparison between like Western culture and Eastern culture, and what other societies and whatnot are doing. Like, did that kind of? I kind of want to, yeah, touch in on you know that research process of learning about what other people do. You know,
2: depending on where they live or their faith. Like, yeah, I mean, you just have to look at like the Day of the Dead, right, in Mexico, where they welcome in the spirits of aunt, um, people who've passed. You know, they they have shrines, they celebrate them. You know, they they and people travel to Mexico to go to it. Isn't it funny? Like, yeah, and then you look at like. Like Maori culture, you know, they sit with the body for for days together, and, and there's a commu- It's a communal act of grieving, and um, they confront it. You know, they confront it head on, but in a way that they embrace it as well. And that's, you know, something that we struggle with. I think in Western culture, it's quite the opposite. Do you think we need to do a thing where it's like I'm literally just thinking
1: a class in primary school like a a gentle class of being like you know let's talk about grief and what it means and because I like I certainly didn't have that experience did you think something like that would, would help like what specifically could we be doing?
2: I think starting with talking very gently about the different emotions what grief is and how you how how it can present itself emotionally you know not only does that will that educate people but also it gives you more of a direct line to communicate how you're feeling with others. If People understand, right? So it can be as simple as that, I think. But yeah, we definitely need to become more grief literate as a society. And hopefully, our book is a step to helping with that. I but think
1: so, for sure. I love that term, too, grief literate. I think that's so perfect to um, sum it up. But so much of this kind of, you know, it takes me back to, I guess, even I, I can liken so much of it to the experience of like invisible illness and chronic illness and, you know, the assumptions that people um, have about it. And it's just so important to know that grief does come in different forms and it doesn't, you know, have, I guess, a linear journey of sorts and put forward this theory that you guys touched on in the book, which I'd love to dive into more from 1996 called Growing Around Grief. Like that is such a powerful one. Do you want to kind of explain what that entailed and also how you guys felt when you found that one, too, because I'm sure that would have just been so, so fucking comforting to you both.
2: Oh, it was it was. It was so comforting to find to find out about growing around grief. And it is, I, I would say, one of our favourite grief theories. So the the concept is that I think people think that your as you go through your loss, that it will eventually go away or get smaller. And you do learn to integrate grief into your life, but the grow around grief theory is that actually your grief doesn't necessarily shrink. It's just your life grows around it. And you learn to live with it and you learn to integrate it into your life. We love this theory because I think we can put so much pressure on ourselves, like with these, you know, five stages of grief, you think, Oh, my God, I need to like be chucking, you know, trucking through these at a certain pace, or why haven't I felt this, this certain stage yet. Um, And I think it's the same with when we're moving through our life we feel like oh you know I'm still grieving or I'm still missing my person I feel like I should be you know getting on with things in a you know better way by now but actually it's really important to know that grief is very much you know their memory within us so it's one of the reasons that that for us that theory is so comforting and we wanted to share it in the book because it's just really important to know that you can have a fulfilling life and grief be part of it
1: yeah and it kind of goes into you know they say time heals all wounds but that's not necessarily the case and time shouldn't really do that right time should just yeah I guess it helps in managing it and coming I I don't know if finding peace is the right word but I don't think we need to rely on a timeline to be like I'm healed I'm fixed you know
2: yeah exactly and I think um there was a quote that I read recently that pe- people think you've got to push through grief and come out the other side, but actually we absorb it and it's not a case of healing it and that's it, I'm done. It's just, it becomes part of you and, you know, over time it it does get easier and less painful, but it's still there and that's absolutely okay and that's something that, yeah, we really want people to know, like to if you're feeling like you've got to be at a certain stage or like that you need to be healed like just take that pressure off yourself it doesn't have mm. to be that way
1: yeah i don't want to be uh toxic positivity silver linings kind of crazy with this but what has grief given you if you could you know can you guys pinpoint anything whether that's resilience
2: or hope or absolutely i think you when you're grieving it actually can show you a lot about yourself. Um, but also it peels back the layers a little bit. So for him and I, we have both found areas of ourselves that we have worked on. So for example, like boundaries, we've learned like our grief has given us uh, showed us where we need needed to set boundaries. And so that's been a big, like area of self development for us both um and i would say for me as well it's it's a level of compassion and understanding for others and you know you you, you know that you can meet people on a bit of a different level i think as well and our friendship has been just life changing it's not the most common way to make a friend a new friend when you're deep in grief you know you're not operating as your best self you're an emotional hot mess it's hardly like fertile ground for going out there and making friends but for him and I it, it it was and we were able to support each other and and that support and that connection that we um fostered has been definitely one of the the greatest things of of grief and not in a silver linings way but just um I think the vulnerability that you feel when you're grieving Mm -hmm. you can you can connect with people on a on a level
1: what can we do it's a big question very general but what do you both think we really need to do to better prepare for grief are there anything that we can do now and I guess in the context of you know we mentioned like you both became motherless in your 30s and this kind of age as we go through this decade and even into our 40s that's when you guess I guess you usually expect people to kind of to pass and, and whatnot. And you do experience different kinds of, um, grief, but what, what can we do to better prepare? Is there anything that we can do now?
2: Yeah. And I'd say if you know somebody who has lost a loved one, whether that's your parents or, you know, anyone in your life or a friend, maybe ask them about their experience, you know, ask them about the person who's gone. If they, if they feel comfortable, I think it's always good to get permission and say, you know you're okay talking about this yeah but ask questions get curious about how other people have coped with grief and what their experiences has been like and don't be afraid to ask questions about the people who have gone I think that's one of the ways as well that you can start kind of understanding a bit more about the grieving process is with curiosity and even now like my dad like his parents died when he was in his early 30s I was two when his mum died and I was four when his dad died. So I do not remember them at all. And it's only now with the experience of my grief that I think about my dad and like how difficult that would have been. Raising two young kids, losing your parents in such close proximity to each other when you were so young as well. And like I so my mum died when I was 33. So for 33 years, I didn't really think about my dad's grief and now I'm like wow that would have had a huge impact on him and it explains a lot of things you know and you see things in a different light so I think yeah just ask questions
1: yeah it's an interesting one with our parents too because I think the generational shift there and how we talk about our feelings um, like how have you found your dad has responded like how does does he feel comfortable talking about that stuff or have you kind of had to prompt him a bit
2: I've had to prompt him a little bit definitely like coax it out of him and we haven't like we haven't gone into detail about it you know we've touched on it but it's not something that's been like a continued conversation because you're right it is a generational thing it's almost like well no one's probably asked them about it or it's not something that they're comfortable really talking to and I'm sure if I if I if I dug a little deeper he would open up more but it's why we do the work we do because we do need to have more honest conversations about grief and loss. And hopefully our generation will be the ones that spearhead, you know, a more open culture around grief and that grief literacy. But yeah, it's, uh, it definitely feels like the tide is turning in how people are responding to talking about loss. We've got a long way to go, but I think we we're making tracks. Definitely.
1: Yeah. And you have a nice chapter in the book too. That's kind of addressed to um, people about how they can approach it and becoming like a grief ally and whatnot. And I think also just like being able to sit down and reading a book, it doesn't seem as like much of an invasive kind of conversation because it's just you and the book. No one's really seeing what you're reading and you can take it in. Uh, at your own pace and whatnot and I think that's really important I guess for a topic like grief when it can be a really fucking daunting thing to acknowledge and you know and learn about so the book is definitely a wonderful recommendation um Sal so thank you so much again for joining me I've taken so much out of this chat and such an important one to have and hopefully I'm sure this will um help people as your book will continue to do so thank you so much
2: it's been so lovely to share this time with you
1: Can hear more from Sally and her wonderful co-host Imogen as part of the Good Morning podcast and their brand new book of the same title. I'll attach both the links in the show notes of this episode. Fun fact, you know we like to keep it real on the podcast, and you know it's just me doing this project. uh, And sometimes there's some road bumps. This conversation was so amazing, but Imogen was actually in on it. It was the three of us talking, and tragically, Imogen's audio didn't save just a big technical blooper in the back end but i managed to kind of edit it so it sounded like it was me and sally but all three of us were there but imogen shared some amazing insights and you'll be able to hear more of them in the book and of course their podcast so again the links are in the show notes of this episode thank you so much for listening though as we know it's fully independent produced and hosted by me Bridget Husweight, and created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin nation so I'd like to extend my respect to the traditional custodians of the land if you like what you are hearing I would really appreciate likes, follows, uh, reviews, ratings, share it with people who you think could benefit from this podcast. And of course, if you have any topic suggestions, you can email me figuringout30 at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram at Bridget Hustway. So that's it for today's episode, and I will talk to you next week. Bye!